Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. And we are going to move forward with our service. We are in the sixth part. It is just zooming along. Then we're in the sixth part of, of our Before the Door series. I have thoroughly been enjoying this. I hope you have as well. And uh, we've just been looking at this concept. So if you have your version app open, if you have your bulletin that we handed you on the way in, this is where you really begin to, to track along together. And we've looked at this concept that life on the other side of the door is impacted by what you do before you walk through it. Your life, your life on the other side of the door is impacted by what you do. So many times, well, I had one of my unnamed children uh, woke up a little late for work and uh, said, man, I made it to work in record, in record time. And um, when they walked through the door, you could kind of see uh, they look like Kramer from Seinfeld. And it's like, <laughs> you're like, okay, maybe you just need to go back and start over. And so, uh, but you could just tell they were harried and frazzled and, and, and just did not have the normal before the door routine and before the door going. And when we hit the ground running and, and we are behind the curve from the get go, I'm telling you, it jacks up our whole day. But when we begin to have some purposeful moments in the morning, Man, it can set us up to be able to handle things in such a better way throughout the day. And we've looked at a lot of different concepts. We've looked at a lot of different things. We Obviously, we talk about prayer. Prayer is important. Prayer is vital. Uh, talked about spending time in God's Word and seeing what has been written to us and sealed up for us in the Scriptures. We've talked about a, a number of, of different things, of, of practicing gratitude and and, and worship and a lot of these different concepts. And so in each one of them, each one of them, as they begin to be placed into our lives, they begin to have a big, big impact. And we've, we've looked at this. We've rallied around this scripture here in Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Do not, Don't despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Again, Zerubbabel, he's a guy from the, from the Old Testament who was part of the advance team in the rebuilding of Jerusalem after exile of Israel. And he gets in there and, and they start to rebuild and he just sets the plumb line. He just says, this is where we're going to start and it's going to go this way and that way. And here's, here's how we're going to know it's straight. Here's how we're going to know it's right. And nothing's been built, but the plumb line's been set, and the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And so we need to be excited about the little things in our lives because our propensity, our tendency is to despise them, is to think it's not that big of a deal. And then we look up, and something we thought wasn't that big of a deal has had a negative consequence, or we missed out on the opportunity for something really powerful to take place in our lives. And, and today I want to talk about going on a five-foot journey. I want to talk about what that means. Because here we are in West Texas. A long way away from where we, when we read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Where Jesus 
uh, calm the waters. Jesus did not walk on Lake Nasworthy. He did not go out to Twin Buttes and tell Matthew, Mark, and all those crew to, hey, come and, come and hey, Peter, come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And he's like, good, because there ain't any fish in here anyways. And so, and uh, not really, there's some good fish in Twin Buttes. Um, but uh, it didn't happen here. It didn't happen in our neck of the woods. In fact, if you could Superman and just take off, you would have to fly 7,189 miles from San Angelo, Texas, to then land in Jerusalem and in that area where all of these things occurred. And then we would, to be able to do that, then if we got there, we would need that little time machine we saw on the reminder to set your clocks back, and we would have to dial it back 2,000 years to be able to be in the moment. So 7,189 miles away, 2,000 years ago, stuff that forever impacted us, our existence, our lives, our eternity took place. And here we are all this time, all these miles away, talking about it. How? How, How are we talking about it? Lots of things happened lots of places a long time ago. How are we getting the privilege of being able to understand that God entered into the story, into the course of human existence, that he took on flesh, and then he took on all of the assault of the anger and the rage and the violence of humanity, and he hung on a cross and allowed himself to be killed and then declared, Father, forgive them. They they don't know what they do. And it happens, and you, you look at Roman history And you look at Roman stuff, and it was a footnote in Roman history. You don't have to look at the Bible to see that a man named Jesus was crucified under the rule of Pilate. It's in Roman history. But it's a footnote in Roman history. But it's a central part of our story and who we are and the existence of all of humanity. And how on earth did we get here? And we got here. We got here. On one interaction between one person to another person. From one person to another person. Babe, I need you to come up here for me right quick. Now, I looked up what is the appropriate personal space and personal distance in the U.S. for... Um, for us to be able to, to, to interact with one another. And um, for intimate relationships, we can go zero, my favorite. You can see the joy on her face. I don't even have to look. I know. We can go (laughs) zero to about 20 inches. Still, I get my hand on you. Is appropriate for intimate relationships. This is kind of normal. It's not uncommon for us to be in this kind of space bubble. (laughs) Then you have um, good friends and family members. Good friends and family members. It's not uncommon to be this close, to just be chilling, talking, hanging. You walk out, I see lots of you in the foyer out there, and 
you're having a conversation with your coffee and you're standing. There's nothing between you and it's not uncommon for you guys to stand this close and have a conversation. As much as it depends on how much coffee and how many mints they put in their mouth. Um, to maybe this far if they've had a little too strong a brew and you want to get a little more distance from their coffee breath. But you're like, I still like you. I'm not going to run. And so and this is, uh, this is this space for, uh, for friends and family. So we're, we're good with this. This isn't weird. All of a sudden, the, we're, we're friends and family, and we do this, and you're like, I, mm, we're not that close. Back up, Clark. <laughs> and, we, and we move back a little bit. But then for people that are strangers, people that we don't know well, the United States, then there's a, a place that this range begins at 48 inches, four feet. They're like, this is okay. I'm a complete stranger. If I'm going to approach you and talk to you and I don't know you, I'm good here, okay? As soon as you begin to do this, I'm reaching for that concealed thing that is somewhere on my person. <laughs> but you stay over here. Guess what? Most elevators allow for this much space between the two corners. You come into the elevator, you stand in the middle, door opens up, you see someone, you go to the corner, they go to the corner. We're not too creeped out. We're okay. If, if, if elevators were this small, we would say, I'll take the next one. This one's yours. But... There's a space that we allow in here, okay? 48 inches. Strangers, friends and family, the people closest to us, they all fall within a five-foot radius. All. Every person you meet is going to be able to fall within a five-foot radius. Every person you meet is going to be able to fall within a place of a five-foot radius so that you can make a five-foot journey and begin to take, let the gospel go here in San Angelo, not just 7,189 miles, but 7,189 miles and five more feet. That the gospel came 7,189 miles to you, and all we need to do is carry it five more feet. Five more feet. That's all we've got to do is just go five more feet. And guess what? The journey of the gospel made it to you and to I over a period of 2,000 years, 7,189 miles, five feet at a time. It went to Paul. It went to Timothy. It went to Ephesus. It moves on into, we see Paul talking about coming in, traveling and going to Spain. Do you have anybody with some Spanish heritage in this house? Come on now. And we know God, Paul carried it that far. At some point, some people got on some boats and carried it across the place. And a lot of them wanted to be able to carry the gospel over here. Some of them wanted to have other reasons. Some of them wanted to seek, seek fame and fortune. But some of them said, you know what? I think there might be some people in that other place that need to hear the gospel. And I'm willing to move my place so I can carry some five-foot journeys along the way. Thank you, babe.
So you're like, Brandon, how does this fit with our before the door? Before the door, um, for my door, I'm, I'm either alone or I'm with someone who falls in that zero to 20 inches. I'm in someone who is my, my close family, my close intimate person. Well, here's how we do this. You're not going to stay on that side of the door. And there's going to be people that are going to fall within that five-foot radius that you're going to interact with. And so the, here is what we do before the door. We pray for an opportunity to share your God story with others. We pray. We begin to open our hearts and prep ourselves. Because the thing is, is you won't see what you're not looking for. You won't see it. You won't see it. You won't see what you're not looking for. There are opportunities to simply share your God story, what God has done in your life. It's come all this way to you for you to carry it five more feet. There are opportunities all the time. But if you're not looking for them, you won't see them. And so what we want to do is begin to just get that lens on in the morning. Say, God, you've, your grace has come to me, and I'm willing to be a part of carrying it forward. See, Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. See, we say this church word about witnessing, and that creeps us out. It, it, it wigs us out. And, and man, there's a real thing right now that millennial generation um, does not like. Millennial Christians do not like the concept of evangelism. Like going into somebody's world and convincing them they're wrong and that, and that believing in Jesus is right. They, they find that offensive. They find that all of these different things. And, and because... Like whenever I was cut my teeth in ministry, um, evangelism, evangelism was a full contact sport. I mean, you, you had to get psyched up. You had to get ready. You would sit there and we, we took some of the, I was foolish. And back in the day when uh, the Roosevelt Hotel still was operable, it was not a good place to be. And we, uh, some of my teens, I think, were with me that were here on that, and I, we got excited about witnessing and sharing, and I did not get parental permission uh, to carry uh, these young people into this space. So we take a van load of teenagers with a bunch of tracks and turn them loose on all three or four floors of the Roosevelt Hotel to knock doors um, with the 14-year-old girls. What was I thinking? It was, as a parent, I want to punch myself in the face. But man, I'm telling you, it was, it, you know, it was thrilling. It was, it was exciting and there was one guy who wanted prayer, and they, all our team prayed over him in the foyer, and it, it, it was a cool thing. And, and then the parents found out, and, and, and one parent demanded I be fired, and, 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 and thankfully, Pastor John loved me and did not fire me. He's like, don't ever do that again. I'm like, yeah, yes, sir. And, um, but we, we thought we had, to like, we had to, like, take it to the enemy. It's like, man, we're going to go in. It was a full contact sport, and we had to do that. And, and, you know, and then you have the old school idea of the bullhorn and the megaphone. And back there used to be a free speech area at ASU. And me and some of my buddies would get a whistle out at ASU and draw a crowd and then preach at ASU. And, and nobody did anything. Nobody looked at us, cared anything. But we just thought we had to be aggressive like that. And I, I get it. 
I get it. People don't respond to that. That's not helpful. It's negative. It's, 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 it's not, it's, it's, it's obnoxious. But we've swung too far the other direction. We've swung too far. And we can't be keeping the truth of what God has done bottled up on the inside of us. We don't have to get signs and yell at people and all of that obnoxious, messed up stuff that draws people away. But there are people who are already close to you. They're already in your five feet. And just pray for an opportunity to share your God story. What, what God's done in your life. That's, that's it. That's it. 1 Corinthians 2.1 says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed the testimony about God. I proclaim what God done for what God has done for me. I simply proclaim that. This is what he's done. That's it. I'm not come trying to, to outsmart you. I'm not trying to outdebate you. I'm just telling you what he's done in my life, and that's it. That's it. So many times this can be intimidating because we feel like we don't have all the answers. Well, we don't have to have all the answers. We just have to talk about what God's done for us. That's it. You don't have to have any other answer. No other answer. People will have questions. I get questions. But all we have to do is talk about what he's done for us. Let's look at John chapter 9, verse 19. And it says, um, this is uh, a guy born blind was healed. And uh, the religious crowd's freaking out about it. And so they ask him, is this your, they ask his parents, is this your son? They asked, is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now he can see? We know he's our son the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can now see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. This was a big deal in the Jewish culture. It, just, it would ruin your life. <clears throat> that was why the parents said, he is of age. Ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been born blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. And he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't answer that. I'm not going to tell you if Jesus was perfect, if Jesus was this or that. I, I can't tell you that. I'm not going to tell you if he's a sinner. I don't know that. One thing I do know, I was blind. And now I see. I was blind and now I see. That's all you have to share. It's what God has done in your life. You don't have to answer every theological question that has ever showed up. You don't have to answer everything that they may come. You just say, this is what he's done in my life. I was messed up. I was, I was a wreck. And the Spirit of God came into my life. I trusted that God loved me and meets me where I am. And he did. And this and this and this has shifted and my, my hope is alive and my relationships are better than they've ever been and I'm not done yet, but praise God, he's carrying me somewhere. And that's all you have to share. That's it. That's it. You don't have to answer all the questions. You don't have to, to be a perfect theologian. You just have to share what God has done for you. That is it. Acts 1.8 says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. She's sharing your God story, recognizes that God's love came to you and that God's love flows through you.
1 Peter 3, 15 says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Always be prepared. This is the before the door thing for us. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Somebody says, man, why? Why do you do that church thing? Why do you, why do you, I see you sometimes and, and you've got just your, your, your phone open and, and you're reading, you're reading the Bible in it. Why do you do that? Why did you offer to pray for me last week when I mentioned there was something going on? Well, why? 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 Why do you put your hope? Why do you put your trust in this? And just give, give a reason. Be able to give an answer for why you have that. But do this with gentleness and respect. How on earth did we get this so wrong for so long? How did we get it so wrong for so long? It so clearly says, do this with gentleness and respect. Give people the deal, but do it with gentleness and respect. Not obnoxious, not in your face, not yelling, not telling people they're hated, not all of this mess, but do it with, with gentleness and respect. Like you're talking to someone Jesus died for. Like you're talking to someone that, that God created. Do it with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. See, Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And Romans 10.13 says, Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone Preaching, someone declaring, someone sharing with them. You and I, we're those outposts. I came to Christ. I placed my faith in Christ as a, as a, as a young boy. Not in a church service. Not at a crusade. But at a campfire. There was a, a church outing. And there was a guy who wasn't a minister. He was just a volunteer and active in the church. And he began to just talk to me at this campfire when I was about seven years old. And I remember that moment, praying with that guy at that campfire in Davis Mountains. And, and accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It was a guy who was on the dream team of the church I grew up in. Who had a conversation with a kid at a campfire. And my, I stepped over from death to life. I placed my faith in that. He was the preacher that led me in that. And that wasn't his job. Not as vocationally, but as a child of God, it was. And he just, he just shared it with me. That's how this goes. See, in the telling of our God story, we are reminding ourselves of the impact of God's love and grace has had in our lives. Man, I tell you what, you want to just be rekindled? Share your story with somebody. It'll fire you up. You start telling about what God's done in your life, it will fire you up. Whether they're impacted by it or not, you're going to go, man, I hadn't thought about this in a while. I was a mess. 
Praise God, man. God's, God's done something here. And man, I tell you what, it'll fire you up. In fact, the scriptures say this is how we overcome. It causes us to overcome. Let's look at Revelations 12. It says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, and that's not people, that's Satan. Satan means accuser. The accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our our God day and night has been hurled down. And they overcame him, the accuser. They overcome the accuser by the blood of the lamb. We just celebrated that in communion. We remember that Jesus did it. His body and his blood did it. We overcome by remembering what he's already accomplished by the blood of the lamb. And the word of their testimony. And the word of their testimony, what the blood of the Lamb, what Jesus' completed work has done and accomplished in our own lives. And that's how we silence the voice of the accuser. 1 John 5.11 says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. This is it. This is the testimony. This is that God's given us eternal life, and that life is in His Son. That's it. That's what we share. That's what we have to know. Folks, with this five-foot journey, this five-foot journey is so vital, and this, this dialing in of our hearts, the dialing in of our hearts being ready for that, there begins to be one final piece. See, uh, worldwide, the average uh, male is five foot six inches tall. Worldwide, the average female is five foot two inches tall. So every human on the face of the planet, you average everybody out, and that's where they are. Uh, most of us are over that. Um, but uh, most physiology, um, you stretch your arms out. And your wingspan is that of your height. So the average person, take male and female, call it five foot four inches. Their wingspan is right at five feet. Guess what you do with that wingspan? You hug. The circumference of the average hug is right at five feet. For us to be ready... To make that five foot journey. We have to see the people in our lives. Not as people as we want to use. To be able to keep at a distance. But for us to look forward to the day. When we get to make that final five foot journey. And we get to embrace that person. As a brother or sister in Christ Jesus. That is what we've got to do. Our bottom line is open your hearts to God's open heart for reaching people. Open your heart to his open heart for reaching people. See, before you leave your home, connect with God in a meaningful way. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.